the Lord gave us that word at the first of the year that that uh, that 2019 would be a year that the supernatural becomes our new natural. We've been looking at all different aspects of that, different different uh, uh, all kinds of different things about the supernatural, and and we've we've uh, reduced or not reduced. We have uh, just kind of condensed the the terminology of the supernatural down to simply in the simplest form that we can make it. I mean, because there's so much more to that, but but in the simplest form we can make it, we've just reduced it down to say that the supernatural is anything that God gets involved in. If you get, if you invite God to come into your life in any area, if you if you invite Him to come into your finances, if you invite Him to come into uh, your work, if you invite Him to come into your family, if you invite Him to come into any circumstance whatsoever that you're in on any given day, then all of a sudden that's, that becomes supernatural because you get something greater than the natural involved in it. Amen? So that's the simplest way we can say that. And and we we've encouraged you through through all of these teachings to uh, to invite God to do everything with you, Amen. I mean, there should be nothing that we don't that we don't invite Him to come into our lives to to operate in. Because I don't know about you, I would much rather have His ability than my ability, Amen. Amen. I'd much rather have His wisdom than my wisdom. I'd much rather have His resources than my resources. You see, where, you see where I'm going with that? When we get Him involved in it, we get all of Him involved. And that, that goes for every area of our life. One of the things that I've really tried to do, that, I've really, that I'm really trying to do, um, is trying to get this to, down to a level to where, to where it takes the weirdness out of the, the, the term supernatural. Because so much of the time when you hear, when you hear people talk about the supernatural, um, you automatically think of weird stuff, you know. If if you, especially if you've come from a denominational background, you know they they talk. You know, it just I mean I don't know why that is, and it's unfortunate because the supernatural is not weird. As a matter of fact, I said this a couple of weeks ago that you know you're actually weird if you don't walk in the supernatural. You know, I mean because because who would who wouldn't want God involved in their life, right? So so we've looked at all kinds of different ways. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about. Uh, Hearing God's voice, and we've we've laid the foundation that uh, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about that God does speak to us, and that we can hear His voice. It's not a question of if we hear His voice. It's really that even that word "willing" that we talk about in the offering. It's really a question about whether we're willing to hear it or not, to hear Him or not. It's not an it, he's a him, amen? But he is speaking constantly. Man, Heidi Baker this morning uh, in our foundations class, the video that we watched with her, she was talking about how that, that he, he knows our name. And he calls us by our name. You know, and, and, and I added to that, you know, the Bible says that he knows, that God knows how many hairs are on top of your head. I mean, he knows more about you than you know about yourself. And he calls your name, and 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 he's speaking your name. It's not he don't call just a number, or he don't call just a you know randomly out and just to see who hears him. I believe every single day. I believe every single day we could hear him if we if we heard if we could if we would just tune in to hear what the voice of the Spirit is saying and what God is saying. I believe we would hear him call our name. And you know you might say. You might say, "Well, what does he sound like?" You know, because we've looked at we've looked at uh, uh, two ways. We've looked at probably the top, the main two ways that God speaks to us. And and number one is the inward witness. You know, just meaning that you have a 
um, you have some, you know you just have a feeling on the inside, and I and I would dare say that everybody in here has experienced that. You know, you just have a you have we'll call it an unction or we'll call it a, a you know a, I don't I, I mean I, you can use all kinds of different words for it, but you just kind of know on the inside you should do something or you shouldn't do something or you should stop and talk to somebody or you know you didn't necessarily hear a voice you didn't necessarily nobody told you it's just something on the inside just like man I just need to do that. You know, has anybody ever, I mean, you know, that, that is really, that is the number one way God leads us because Romans chapter 8, we look at this just about every week, Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 2, says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So he tells us right there that it's the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. What, now, now notice he didn't say that he bears witness with our mind. It didn't say that you'll understand everything up here. He says that the Holy Spirit bears witness here in our spirit. You know, and, and we've looked at the reason that is, is because God is a spirit. He created us in His image, so we are first and foremost a spirit. And because of that, when He communicates to us, the main way that He will communicate with us is through our spirit. Amen. And because of that, you know, that, and, and, and just, that's just the way He operates, that He's going to bear witness with our spirit. You know, it's, um, I was thinking about this this week, that, that um, you know, as, as a parent, uh, when I raised my kids, when, when, when Stacy and I raised Joshua and Noah, when they were younger, you know, uh, we, didn't want, we didn't want to have to continually yell at them to get them to do something. You know, now sometimes you have to raise your voice and sometimes, you know, depending on how hard-headed they can be and, and whether they're listening to you or not, you know, sometimes you have to raise your voice to get their attention and to get them to, away from the video games or away from the TV or, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, but how many of you know that the best, the best thing that, that you could have as a parent and the best, um, probably one of the most satisfying things that you can see as a parent is when you simply make you simply you simply say something and they pick up on it and they do it and they even actually do more than than you ask them to do. You know, it's kind of like kind of like you know you eat supper or something and and you know and they and the kids are old enough to to help clean the clean the dishes and they're getting on up in age and and you know and so so you you know you teach your kids you know hey let's clean the dishes off the table and and when they're younger you know they may take one plate at a time and go put it in the sink or or maybe get to the sink or not get to the sink or whatever, you know. And, you know, and you teach them along the way. But as they get older and older, when, when you just simply make the command, you know, after supper, hey, let's clean the table off, then all of a sudden they understand that means taking the, the, the dishes off the table and putting them in the sink, taking the stuff, the leftover food, putting it up, you know, taking everything, clearing the table off. But then isn't it something that like, like as they get a little bit older than that and they get up in their teenage years and, and, and hopefully you've all experienced this, but, you know, after you get through eating, you don't even have to say it anymore. It's like when they get up, they just start doing it. Why? Because they know your heart. You've taught them. You know, you've shown them what you want them to do, and they just do it. Man, isn't that, isn't that a reward when, when, you, when you've been teaching something and then you see that person do that? I see a bunch of elbows flying and, you know, looks and everything, you know. But, but that, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to experience when you see, when you see that, the, that, you know, it's almost like you see it click with them and you're like, they get it. And then 
the next day they don't get it. But at least they got it one day, right? But 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 anyway, but isn't but but that see what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is this. That's the way that I believe that's why the inward witness is that is the main way that God wants to speak to us because He wants us to know Him so well that we just pick up on His heart. That He doesn't have to keep yelling, Hey, dummy, do this. For the umpteenth time, would you listen? You know, but God just wants us to know. He wants us to pick up on His heart so that, so that we just know what He wants. And He doesn't necessarily have to raise His voice or tell us 15 times. It's just that we pick up on that witness in our spirit and then we do it just because, out of, because we know Him and we're, you know, and we're getting in a relationship, we're in a relationship with Him to where we understand His heart. So just by a witness, just by, just by us knowing His heart, we're there. I, I hear people say all the time, I hear people say all the time, well, well, you know, when I feel led, I'll do that. You know, talk, if you're talking about witnessing or giving or, or something like that, and they'll say, well, if I feel led, when I feel led, I'll do that. Well, my, my suggestion to them, I said, just carry a pencil around and fill it every day and then you'll feel led. <laughs> Amen. You know, there's some things you shouldn't have to feel led about. You should just do it. You know, I mean, and so, so that, that witness, that inward witness is, is that, you know, um, is the number one way God will speak to us. The number two way we looked at is that still small voice on the inside. And we talked about last week in the last couple of weeks about that, that still small voice being our conscience, being the, the voice of our spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit and then our conscience and our, our spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. And then, and then our spirit will speak to, you know, to, to us and we'll hear that still small voice. And I was, I said all of that because I made the statement. I said, what does God sound like? Well, believe it or not, He sounds a lot like you. In other words, when God speaks to me, you know, when I hear that still small voice, it sounds a lot like I do. You know why? Because it's my spirit, the Holy Spirit's bore witness with my spirit, and now my spirit is speaking. Amen. When Jesus said, Jesus said, that, uh, when He said, the only thing I say is what I hear the Father say, the only thing I do is what I see the Father do. Well, that's, I believe that's what He was referring to. You know, it was, it was that witness that He had with His Father by spending time with Him that, that He just did and, and, and said and did what, what He, what He had felt that unction and that, that, you know, cause I don't, you know, I don't believe that Jesus every day, now I know we, He spent a lot of time in prayer. And, and listen, if, if you want more of God, and you want, you want to hear God more, and you want, you want God to move in your life more, and all these things, then, you know, it's going to take, it's going to take more of your time to press into those things. It don't just happen because you come to church on Sunday morning. Now, God just out of, out of His mercy, sometimes, you know, we'll run into things just because He loves us and He does things for us. But if you want to get serious about God and you want to hear more, if you want to hear Him speak and you want to, you want to have a, a deeper relationship with Him, just like any natural relationship, it'll take time for, of you pressing into the things of God. Amen. And they don't just happen. And, you know, in us, getting to know the, the heart of God doesn't just happen either because, listen, this world, this world is, you know, 
this world is doing everything it can to take you away from God. The TV shows, the the news media, the I mean every I mean everything you can point to in the natural world is doing everything in its power to pull you away from God. And you know, and so sometimes to be just to be honest with you, sometimes it's hard to find time because we're so busy now. You know, and, and I hear people say all the time, I just don't have time. You know, I just don't have time to to you know, to, to spend extra time in the Word. I don't have, you know, I've got so much going on. I've got school and work and kids and family and, and this and this and this. And, and, you know, and they say, well, how do you find time? Well, guess what? You find time to do what you want to do. And if you want a relationship with God and you want to press into the things of God, you'll find the time to do it. Amen. So let's look here. So we're going to go kind of a step further. So we're, we're still talking about how God speaks, how God... Uh, leads us, and um, and you know, and we're going to look this morning here about an unction. Uh, and and I heard Miss Betty gave a testimony this morning in foundation. She said, "I just had an unction to, that I needed to go do this," and I love that because that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, sometimes you just you just have that knowing on the inside that you know, just an unction, a uh, just a something on the inside that just says you need to do this. And notice here in First John chapter two. In verse number twenty, John says this. And now, now this was. Let me let me just set the scene here, because John was talking about here about um, the church. He was he was writing a letter, uh, you know, to some of the leaders in the church, and he was talking about in the verses preceding that he was talking about fathers and young men and little children and and how you should behave yourself and how you should act in the church. And then later on, we're going to find out that that some people actually. Uh, you know, actually went against some of that and, and even shipwrecked their faith and different things. But he, but he's he, he's telling us here about some of the things that that we need to do and that we need to be aware of. And uh, and and some people that he talked about how people uh, they thought that you know, kind of like what we say, uh, wolves in sheep clothing. Like you know, people thought that they were people of the church, but they 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 pulled out and caused caused. Uh, uh, hurt and different things, and and so he's he's referring to some of these things. But then in verse twenty he said this. Verse twenty he says, "But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things." Now that's an incredible verse. Look at it from uh, from the Amplified. The Amplified says it this way. We'll put it on the screen. He says, "But you have been anointed by. You hold a sacred appointment from." And you have been given an unction from the Holy One, and you know all, and you all know the truth, or you know all things. So, so John, as he's writing this, he's talking about, you know, uh, he's talking about being fathers and, and sons and little children, and he's talking about things in the church and people causing problems in the church and all this stuff. But then he, he kind of turns around, he says, but listen. He said, but you have an unction from the Holy One. Now that word unction, it's not a word that we use a lot, and you don't hear it a lot, but that word unction is actually the Greek word uh, charisma. And what it means is, 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 like if you look that word up, it just means an anointing. And what is an anointing? To, to anoint something in that day, uh, in that day it would be to take like a, a piece of cloth or something and dip it into a dye you know, into a different color dye or something, and leave it in there until it was fully soaked. And then when you pull it out, that dye actually changed the color 
of that cloth. And that was to anoint something. And what he was saying here, when you look at that, that full picture of what an anointing is, and, and there's different things because the word anoint also means you know, to the picture of pouring oil over somebody's head or smearing oil on somebody. And it's actually where we get, um, you know, when we anoint with oil, uh, we have the, the, the anointing oil, and a lot of times we just put it on our finger and put it on somebody. Or uh, I've seen actually people pour it on people's heads, and people don't really like that too much. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, I've seen them do that. You know, David and Tanya went, they, they went to, to see that, uh, that phenomenon of, of that Bible that's leaking anointing oil. And, you know, and they give away that anointing oil. They're seeing miracle after miracle uh, from, that, from that oil that's, just, that's pouring out of that one Bible. I mean, it's just an incredible thing. But here John said, John, just, John said, you have an unction from the Holy One. But then he went further than that. Because what I want you to see just in the next few moments, I want to show you about two or three different verses and then we'll, we'll finish up this morning. What John said was this. He says, you have an unction, you have an anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you know all things. And what I want you to see this morning, let's, with that thought in mind, turn over to John 16. John chapter 16. And let's look at verse 12. Because, um, well, I tell you what, hold your place here in John. Let's look, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3 first. We're coming right back to John, so hold your place there in John 15. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because I, I am of the firm persuasion that... Uh, well, I'm in Romans. That's where I said it. Look right. 1 Corinthians. Let me get there. I'll get there. I am of the firm persuasion that, that way too many Christians are living under what God has uh, meant for us to live. You know, in other words, we, we, are not, we, we don't live with the power. We don't experience the power. We don't experience the manifestations of God. We don't experience the healings and the, the miracles. And, and, you know, and, and we, basically we end up struggling through life. And I don't believe that's what, Jesus, what God gave His Son, gave the most precious thing to Him. I don't think He gave His Son just so we could barely get through this life. And I don't think, I don't think that the enemy is anywhere near powerful enough to even put a dent in the power that God has. I, it's not even a competition. It's not a battle between to see whether Satan's going to overcome God or not. It's, we say that all the time, that it's, it's like when, when, you know, the battle between light and darkness is really no battle at all. I don't care how dark it is, when a light comes on, darkness flees. You don't see darkness and light fighting back and forth to see which one's going to win that day. When you go into a room and turn a light switch on, and the, the power hits those bulbs and it works however it works, you know, darkness flees. And that's the way it is with God. When you get God involved in your life, darkness flees. It's not, it's not a battle. But here, but we live our lives... Like, like it's this great battle between good and evil, and, and Satan is winning every day in most people's lives. And it's like, God, oh, poor God, he just can't do nothing about that. That's just a tough case. But that's not the way God wants us to live. That's not. When, when John said, when John said, he said, you've got the greater one living on the inside of you. 
He didn't say that just so you could go around and say, well, I'm barely holding on. I'll be glad when Jesus comes. You know, I'm just, I'll make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. That's not the picture that God wants for His victorious bride. Amen. Now look here, this, this has always been an amazing scripture to me. And in, in 1 Corinthians 3, and verses 1 through 3, and we'll just read this from the Amplified just for the sake of time so we don't have to read it um, two times. But let's, let's look in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 from the Amplified. Uh, and, and here Paul is talking to the, the Corinthian church, and he says this. He says, However, brethren, I cannot talk to you uh, as to spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates. Now, what he's talking about here is this. In chapter 2, he was talking about some things, and he was, he was trying to explain some things. And Paul had to tell him, he said, listen, he said, I, I couldn't talk to you as a spiritual man. I had to talk, he said, I've had, I'm having to talk to you like a carnal person. And it's kind of like the same thing Jesus told his disciples when he left the earth. He said, I've got much more I want to give to share unto you, but you're not able to, to understand it right now. But thank God he didn't stop there. Jesus said, Jesus said, that's the reason I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And He will show you. We'll look at that Scripture in John 16. That's the Scripture I was going to uh, turn to a second ago. But, but he, said, he said, but the Spirit of God will show you things to come. So here Paul is having kind of the real similar conversation. And he says, he says you know, said, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual, but I'm, I'm having to talk to you as non-spiritual Men that are that are, that have a, uh, that let the carnal nature predominate them, and then he says, as to mere infants in the new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. He says, so you're just like a little baby that can't even talk. And John, and Paul was saying, I'm wanting to talk to you as a spiritual adult, but here I'm having to treat you like a little baby that can't even talk yet, having to change your diaper and feed you with a bottle and put a pacifier in your mouth. Verse 2, he said this, he said, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet, you are not strong enough to be ready for it. But now listen to verse 3. This, this is an incredible verse. Paul said this, he says, he says, for you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. Now, if you remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about about the uh, it's been I don't know three or four weeks ago now I guess, but about the battle that between the flesh and the spirit. You remember that that that, that there is a battle waging in your war, in your in your body, but it's not a battle of good and evil. It's a battle of flesh and spirit. It's a battle of the the Holy Spirit wanting you wanting wanting to grow you up in Christ, and your flesh crying out saying, "I want what I want." And there, there's a great battle going on, and they, they war against each other. And here, and what, and what Paul was basically saying is this, you're letting your flesh win. He said, you should have been grown up, you should, you should be a spiritual adult, and here you are acting like a baby, letting your flesh win out every single time. But he, notice what he said, he goes on to say this. He says, he says you're under the control of, your, of ordinary impulses. For as long, now listen, he says, for as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and, fr- and fact- fractions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh? Now listen to this statement right here. This is the, the statement that always gets me. You're behaving yourselves 
after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. You're acting like somebody that hasn't been touched by God. And yet the Bible says, John tells us that we have an unction from the Holy One and we, and we know all things. He tells us, and Paul tells us that three or four times, that, that we, he said, don't you know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And then he tells us, greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. But here we are acting like mere unchanged men. Giving in to, to fleshly impulses and not, not letting the Spirit dictate how we live our lives. I don't know about you, but I do not want to act like an unchanged person. If, I, if you say you are a Christian, and if I say I am a Christian, then we should not act like the world. We should not look like the world. We should not talk like the world. We should not go to the same places that the worldly people go. Now, I know it's not a popular message, but it's still true. You, you might say, well, Pastor, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Because you're changed. You don't have the nature of the flesh anymore. You have a supernatural character. You have a supernatural nature now. And you don't have to give in to the flesh. And you don't have to keep losing those battles that you're losing every day. Why? Because you have been changed Well, Pastor, I don't know how to do... Well, listen, John said you have an unction, you have an anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you know all things. That the Holy Spirit on the inside of you... Let's turn over to John, John 16. And, and notice what he says here. John 16. And see, I, man, I'm just trying to stir you up. I'm trying to... I'm, you know, uh, this morning in the, in the uh, Foundations message... I mean, in foundations, man, Heidi Baker, that, that message still got me this morning because, because she's talking about living in the presence and, and being willing to stop for one. She told the story about how she was running late and she was in Mozambique there and, and she, she was, you know, according to her clock, she was running late and, and she was going down through, going down, heading down to a, a meeting that she was supposed to be at with a group of uh, church leaders that had Hundreds, if not thousands, of churches. They, Heidi, Heidi and Roland Baker have planted like something like over ten thousand churches in Mozambique now, and just doing an incredible work there. But she saw one. She saw this little lady standing or sitting in the middle of the street in the sun, just rocking back and forth. And she said, she said, you know, she said that nobody, nobody sits in the sun because it's really hot. And she said everybody sits in the shade. But here, this woman was sitting in the sun. And just rocking. And she goes up to her and, and she said the Lord, the Lord told her, stop. Stop for her. And of course, you know, I mean, it's a long story, but she said the first thing she did was look at her watch. Well, if the Lord tells you to stop, why would you look at your watch? In other words, the Lord's saying, this is what's important right now. So she stopped and she said, what's your name? And she laughed and she said, I don't have a name. And when she looked at her, she, her eyes were completely white. She was blind. She couldn't see. And she said, she said, I don't have a name. And there was somebody else sitting close to her, and she said, what's her name? And the other person said, she don't have a name. She's blind. She don't have a name. So Heidi said, well, I'm going to give you a name. 
And she called her something like full of joy or something. I can't remember exactly what she called her. And that woman just laughed and laughed. But Heidi said that she took that woman in her arms and she just loved on her. She just told her. She kept telling her things, you know, the things about God and just how much God loved her and that God was giving her a name and all this. And all of a sudden, her white eyes, all of a sudden you could start seeing brown come to them. And just within a matter of moments, those white eyes had turned brown and she, she got her sight. And then, and, and, you know, and, and she, and then she, she asked this question. She said, she said, do you think that that woman had any issue whatsoever of me introducing her to the man that just healed her? You see, some, someone changed her life. And I guarantee you, and, and Heidi said she introduced, and, and she said she asked that woman that, and the woman's like, where is he? And Heidi says, she's, he's living on the inside of me that I can introduce him to you. And she gave that, that woman gave her life to Jesus. But I guarantee you, her life changed that day because she met Jesus. Everything changed. She didn't go back to sitting in the street just, you know, just rocking away because her whole life changed. Our lives, listen, your life and my life, we should live different once we've met Jesus. We should not be like mere unchanged men and women. Here in John 16, Jesus said this. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you, but you cannot bear them right now. So Jesus knew that His disciples weren't ready and could, couldn't handle everything that he, had to, that he wanted to share with them. But then notice Jesus said this. He didn't leave them without hope. He said this. He said, how be it when He... The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not... Now notice notice what Jesus said. He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. So notice Jesus was very plain and very, very to the point that the Holy Spirit will speak. He won't speak of Himself but He will speak of what He sees. Uh, another passage, Jesus said, Who knows the heart of a man save the man himself? Said the spirit of the man who's in him. And then He went on to say this, He said, Who knows the heart of God save the Spirit of God? So Jesus gave us the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, knows the heart of God. And He put the, he put the Spirit of God on the inside of us and then Jesus said, when He comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, and, and if you are a Christian, you have Him on the inside of you. When you gave your life to Him and asked Him to be your Savior, then you are reborn. The Holy Spirit come to live on the inside of you. Now, the very Spirit of God, who knows the heart of God and knows everything about anything, He now lives on the inside of you. And Jesus said, He will show you things to come. John said, you have that anointing, you have the unction, and you know all things. Well, how can you know all things? Because you've got that anointing. You've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You're not a mere unchanged person. You're not like the rest of the world. You're not like somebody without God. You have God living on the inside of you. He speaks your name and you hear Him. Come on. Turn to Galatians real quick, and I want to show you this, and, and I'll, I'll try and finish this up real quick. 
Galatians chapter 5. Man, the Holy Spirit, He was just downloading this to me last night, and I, I was just, you know, uh, in, in John, or in, uh, yeah, John 16, when, when Paul was given that, uh, when he was telling them about, you know, he said where there's envy and strife and bitterness and, and fighting among you, he said, he said, you know, you're just, he said, you're unspiritual. He said, you're like a mere un, unchanged man when you act that way. Well, here in Galatians 5, as Paul starts talking about the, uh, uh, and we, we looked at this a few weeks ago, but, but Paul starts uh, showing the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, he kind of mentions the same, the same uh, listing of things. In, in, Gal- in Galatians 5, verse, 16, or verse 19, uh, Paul said this, he said, Now the works of the flesh... Are manifest, which are these. So if you if you give into the flesh, this is what this is what you're going to get. He says the works of the flesh are manifest, and here's what it is: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelings, or fightings, and such the like of which I tell you before. As, as have also told you in the times past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So now, that, that was an expanded list, but, but Paul here was saying in Galatians to the church at Galatia, he said, listen, if that, he said, if that is what you are experiencing, it's because you're allowing the flesh more power than the Spirit. But he said, but then he, he, he contrasts that, and he says, but, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let me, let me just say this just real quick. How do you get the fruit of the Spirit? A lot of times we like, to, we like to pick one or two of them and say, well, I like this one and I like that one. But the fruit of the Spirit here, he lists nine things that he's getting ready to list, and he gives nine things. And this should be the fruit of every believer. When you allow the Spirit of God, when you live like a changed person, when you meet Jesus and everything changes, we sang that song today, Jesus changes everything. You see, when Jesus changes everything, He changes, he changes envy into love. He changes hate into love. He changes, you know, I mean, you take that list and he, He'll change the bad and turn it into good. That's what Jesus will do. And you don't have to live like, like, you, like you're unchanged. You can live like God has actually touched you. <laughs> and done something for you. He, John, or Paul said this, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then he makes this astounding statement. He said, against such there is no law. In other words, when you, learn to, when you learn to allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow on the inside of you, and, if, and like I said, if you have Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, you, and you're, you know, and I say quote-unquote, we call, we, we call ourselves a Christian. That word Christian is, is a little Christ. That's what that word means. And it was actually first used as a, as a uh, kind of like a slander. It was kind of a, you know, they're trying to make fun of people that followed that followed Jesus, but but if you if you are a Christian, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
then these the, the fruit of the Spirit are on the inside of you. And you should be seeing those fruit become evident in your life. Not just one or two of them. All nine of them. And if you're seeing things other than these than the fruit of the Spirit, then what's happening is your is the definition that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 3. You're acting like a mere unchanged person. You're, act, you're acting just like God hasn't done anything for you. Now look at that list again. Let's look at this. Love. Joy. Peace. Now most people are okay with those. Love, joy, and peace. That's pretty easy. You know, we can love people. We, we can be joyful about some things. And we have peace sometimes. But boy, that fourth one gets us. Long-suffering. You know, most people, they, they don't want nothing to do with long-suffering. But I tell you what, if you study the life of Christ, if you read, if you read His Bible and, and, you know, and, and study, study out His Bible, you'll find out that Jesus was very long-suffering with people. Now, He didn't put up with stuff. Now, there's a difference between putting up with junk and being long-suffering. There is a difference in that. But Jesus was long-suffering. In other words, you know, the Bible says that he does that God doesn't want anybody to perish. That he would that all be saved. And and when you study the book of Revelation, you'll find that all throughout the book of Revelation is really a book about his long suffering, about him waiting to the last moment to do anything so that one more person could 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 hear the gospel and, and give their life to him. So long suffering. Um Gentleness, goodness, faith, man, I mean, meekness, temperance. That, that word temperance, we could, we could say this, this is another big one people don't really like, but, but we could say self-control. Well, we all need to learn some more self-control, don't we? Instead of just letting the flesh have its way. But see, what I, what I want you to get today and what I want you to see is this. We have to start understanding and we have to start looking at the things of the Spirit different than we have. Because we look at those things and we think that it doesn't change anything. That it doesn't really affect us. Let me share. I'll share with you the story of Brother Hagin real quick and his healing and what happened. Because listen, what you feed on, what you put your attention on is what you will become. You know, I've heard Bill Johnson, I've heard Graham Cook and others say it this way. They'll say things like this. What you behold, you become. You know, what you focus on, what you see is what you'll, what you'll end up doing. Why? Because, because what you look at, what, what you allow to come in your heart, Proverbs says, that's, why, that's the reason Proverbs 23, he says, guard your heart above everything. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. What you allow to come into your heart is what you will become. Right? So Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen was a he was he was a denominational grew up in the you know denominational church, didn't know didn't know anything about healing, didn't know anything about uh, you know about supernatural things. And uh, and I'm abbreviating this story a lot, but so Brother Hagen was like uh, he was bedfast when he got to be about 
uh, I think about uh, 12 years old, he became bedfast, had a heart disease, had, had all kinds of different diseases. And I mean, he had like five diseases, I think, that they said could have killed him. And they, they really, and actually they thought he was dead when he was a baby, and he lived a lot longer. And, and, but anyway, he became bedfast, and the doctors just told him that, that it was just a matter of time, and it was, it was a real short time. And, and he, and, but but he, he got interested in, in the Scriptures, and he started reading the Scriptures, and he got all the way to Mark 11, 23, and 24. And, you know, a lot of times people say that, you know, Brother Hagin wrote those Scriptures because he preached on them every time. You know, you'd never hear Brother Hagin preach without him talking about those Scriptures. But, but Mark eleven twenty three. just turn over there and we'll read it real quick. And I, I promise you, I'll finish up real quick here. But I, I want to prove a point to you here and, and in this, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. Mark eleven twenty three. he came across this and, and he read this. He said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So Brother Hagin started meditating on the fact that that he could he could have whatever whatever he said, and he asked he uh, he he told his mom he said well I need somebody to explain that scripture to me he said can you get the pastor to come he said I want to ask him if that includes healing if I can if I can speak to my body and if I believe that God heals and I speak to my body will will I receive healing so they called for for his pastor. And for whatever reason, his pastor never did come see him. And finally, they got another pastor in town to come see him. And Brother Hagin asked him the question. He said, does, he said, does this scripture mean this and this? And he, Brother Hagin asked him that. And this pastor just picked his hand up and patted his hand. And he said, dear brother, he said, hang on just a few more days and it will all be over soon. And walked out. So Brother Hagin said, well, he said, I don't guess it means that. He said, so I'll just lay here and wait to die. Well, two months goes by, and he's not dead yet. So he thought, he said, well, he said, he said, I guess they were wrong. And he said, so I better read some more scripture and see what the word says. Well, so he did a cross reference, and he came, he came over to, to James chapter 5. Turn over to James chapter 5 real quick. James chapter 5. And he came across this, this scripture in verse 13, and he said this, he says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any among you? Uh, let, is any? Uh, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. So, so right there, Brother Hagin said, "Well, that's it. I need I need the elders of the church to come pray for me." And he tried, and again, he tried to get the, he tried to find somebody that believed in healing, that believed that they could come lay hands on him. And he couldn't find anybody. He couldn't get anybody to come. And so, so the Holy Spirit spoke up on the inside of him. And he said, did you read the next verse? And he, he picked his Bible up and got his Bible and, and, and read the next verse. And it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. So, so he said, did you notice that it was your prayers... Not just the prayers of the elders. And he said, now put that together with Mark eleven twenty three. So Brother Hagin said, well, he said, well, Lord Jesus, he said, I can't find anybody to, to, to show me if I'm right or not. He says, well, I'm just going to believe your word. And he said, your word said that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I'm sick 
And I believe what Mark eleven twenty three says, that if I speak to this mountain, it's got to move. He said, so I'm praying and I'm believing right now that I'm healed. And he said, I, he, and, and Brother Hagin said, he said, I'm putting all, he said, I'm putting everybody on notice. He said, everybody that can hear my voice. He said, I'm telling God, I'm telling Satan, I'm telling demons and angels and everybody in my house that I believe I'm healed. You see, he had been feeding on that. That's what he was feeding. And, but now, it very, it very easily could have went the other way. He could have fed on the fact that that guy come in and patted his hand. So it'll all be over in just a few short days, brother. Just hang on. Hold on, you know, and it'll all be over. Well, if he had fed on that, then guess what? We never would have heard of Brother Hagin. But he fed on the truth of the Word instead of just somebody's opinion of it. And when he fed on the truth, he's sitting there meditating on these verses, and he said he heard the Holy Spirit say, Do you believe you're well? And he said, Yes, I do. And the Holy Spirit said, Well, then well people aren't in bed at 10.30 in the morning. Get up. So he said, all right. So he said, he, he was still paralyzed at the time. He said he reached over and grabbed his one leg, threw it over, grabbed his other leg, threw it over, said it was like two pieces of wood hitting the floor. And he said, but he said all the time, he, he said he just kept saying, I believe I'm healed. I believe the Word of God. I believe if I speak to this mountain, it's got to move. I, I believe I'm well. I believe I'm healed. So, so he says that he grabbed hold of the bed rail and pulled himself up. And he said all of a sudden, he said when he stood up, when he got up out of the bed and he stood up and he, and he was standing up on his feet, he was holding on for dear life, he said, because he was, you know, because his legs were paralyzed. He said, but it felt like something hit him on top of the head. He said it was like warm honey. And he said the next thing he knows, it came, it came flowing down his body. And he said it came down his, his chest and down his arms and out of his fingers and down his legs and out of his toes. And he said that all of a sudden, he said, he said his legs started hurting so bad, he said it would have felt terrible if it didn't feel so good. Because remember, he'd been paralyzed, hadn't felt nothing in his legs in years. But all of a sudden, he started feeling pins and, and things, you know, all these nerves coming awake in his, in his, in his legs. And then, and then he said, he said he lets go of the, the bed, the bed rail, or the bed rail there he was holding on, and, and then lo and behold, that's the day he received his healing. And he said he, he said he walked over and got dressed, walked in. He said he walked in and, and his, his, his grandpa was sitting at the, the, the table. And he said he walked in and sat down beside his grandpa. And said his grandpa just looked at him and says, Well, wouldn't you know it, the dead lives. <laughs> but here's the thing I want you to see. Brother Hagin fed on the Scriptures. He kept the Scriptures in front of him. And when he believed what the Scriptures said, he got what the Scriptures said. Amen. And, and, and what, I, what I want you to see this morning is this. Every Scripture we've looked at today is, is, has led us to this conclusion, led me to this conclusion, that we have the greater one living on the inside of us. We should not be living like mere unchanged people. We have the power of God living on the inside of us. He speaks to us. We can hear Him. We obey Him. We follow Him. And as we do that, our lives can be radically changed. But here's the thing. Here's, here's where we are with this. You have to start depending and trusting your spirit. Every, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You can't do it for your husband or wife. You can't do it for your kids. Your kids can't do it for you. 
Every one of us has to trust our own spirit. We have to, we have to develop that relationship with God to where, to where we have a history with Him. We have, we have a relationship with Him to where we trust Him. And when we hear Him say something, we trust Him and we obey Him. And we do what He says. It's time that we, that we take all the excuses away. It's time that we stop. And from the video this morning, I'll say this from the, from the foundations class. But it's time we stop saying no to God and start saying yes. That we stop believing all the, all the, that we stop making excuses why, why things aren't working and we just simply say, yes, God, I believe you. And I'm going to see what your word says. You know, I mean, the greatest home run hitters of all time. You know, Babe Ruth for many years was, was held that record. But you know, but he also held the strikeout record. Now what does that tell you? That tells you, you know what? He had to swing at a lot of balls to, have, to hit the most home runs. And you know what? If you, you tell me, well, Pastor, I believed, I believed one time and it didn't work. Well, pick yourself up, clean yourself off, pick your Bible back up, read the Scripture, convince yourself more, and then swing again. Amen. Well, what if it don't work this time? Then pick yourself up, pick up the Word, get back in the Word, find the Word, find the Scripture on it, swing again. Amen. And you keep, and listen, and you keep finding yourself in the Word. And I promise you, listen, it's not that the Word's not working. Because the Word works. If we work it. But we have to convince ourselves. We have to convince ourselves that this is true above everything else. That there's no other truth but what the Word of God says. And when, when we believe the truth, then that's when it will become a reality in our lives. Amen? So this morning, I just I wanted to stir you up a little bit. I, wanted just to, I just wanted you to see that, that the Scripture... Now, we could, we could have went a lot into more of those Scriptures where it says, you know all things and He'll show you things to come. I mean, man, the Holy Spirit... You've heard me say things like this before. Mark Hankins says this, I love it. He said, the Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius. Man, your spirit knows so much more than your head knows. Because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And when you get that unction, when you get that anointing, when you get that prompting, when, when He leads you by that still small voice or, or by that inward witness, you can do all things. You know all things. You have the mind of Christ. We're not limited. We're not at a disadvantage. Amen. Most people think they are, but we're not. We have to start seeing. We have to start seeing things the way God sees them, and I promise you, God don't see you at a disadvantage. He's put His power in you. Now let's go act like it. Amen. Let's not act like mere unchanged people that look and talk and act like the world. Let's let's look like little little Christs. Let's look like Christians. Amen. Who believe, who believe what Jesus said and just simply take Him at His Word and say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll believe. Yes, Lord, I'll stop. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Whatever it is He says, just do it. Isn't that what Mary said? His mother looked at the people there at the, the wedding feast that day and, and he just, she just looked at Him and said, whatever He says, just do it. So I'll leave you with that this morning. Whatever He says to you, just do it.
Just say yes to it. Amen? Let's bow our heads just real quick. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, I just pray...